Well, I hope that you have enjoyed tonight as we've worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ and celebrated His birth and His incarnation, His coming to earth in the form of a man. Uh, Something like this is pretty entertaining, and especially this last song, you just kind of pull out all the stops and everybody's involved and you're just thinking, wow. But remember, we're here to worship Jesus Christ. We are here to give him glory and honor and praise for all those who know him will be doing that for all eternity. And if you don't like doing it now, you won't be in heaven. <laughs> now, I want you to think with me a little bit and uh, and think about what it will be like if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, if you've been born again, as the Scriptures say, or transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son, or regenerated. There's a lot of different terms that describe the salvation process. But uh, if your life has been changed by the grace of God through believing in the gospel, you're going to get to heaven. And, And when you get to heaven... You're going to see Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? You need to think about that because it's going to happen. And the scriptures say we need to keep our thoughts fixed on the things above. And that we need to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. And when we get to heaven, Jesus isn't going to be this gigantic, you know, 300 foot tall image of a scary God. He's not going to look like the Wizard of Oz. He's going to be a man. When Jesus decided to enter into the virgin's womb, he made a choice to always be a man from that point on. He wouldn't stop being God, but he would always have the form of a man. Think about that. Forever. When we die, we who know the Lord, uh, you know, God's going to fix all our broken whatevers, which is good. And if you're older, it's really good. (laughs) That uh, you get fixed. I I wonder about things. I wonder if you had crooked teeth and then you had braces, if he's going to make them crooked again. Um, (laughs) Things like that. Deep theological talks, but... Jesus decided that he is going to remain broken in some respects. Remember when, uh, after he died and was buried and rose again, remember he appeared to the disciples and uh, when Thomas was there, he, he thrust out his hand and said, see the scar prince. Still on his hands, still on his feet, still in his side were the Visible remains of his suffering and death for sinners. And he is going to bear those marks for all eternity as a testimony of his love for mankind. And the salvation that comes through believing in the gospel. Now what is the gospel? We... We sometimes throw out that term and don't really know what it means. The word actually means good news. But beyond that, you know, we hear gospel music and, you know, we have the four gospels in the Bible. But but what is the gospel? 
when Paul says, I make known to you the gospel, uh, what is he talking about? Or when he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, what is that? Well, before there is good news, the good news of the gospel, there has to be some bad news. That's why there needs to be good news. And the bad news is this. God is infinitely holy. That means separated from sin and just. The scriptures say he will by no means allow the guilty to go unpunished. Because God is infinitely holy and infinitely just, he must punish every sin to its fullest degree. This is a problem. Because we all like sheep have gone astray and each of us has turned to his own way. It's a problem because as Paul the Apostle says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so because we have all sinned, and because God is infinitely holy and infinitely just, we're in trouble. Because when you're infinitely holy, every sin is an infinite offense. And therefore brings an infinite and eternal punishment. And that's the bad news. That the wages of sin is death. That is the bad news. Because all sin. When God created the first man and the first woman in the garden. They were sinless. But of course Eve was deceived. Adam willfully rebelled. And then sin entered into the world. Now, if you were God and you have this entire sinful race of mankind, what are you going to do about it? If you are also not only infinitely holy and just, but you're also infinitely loving and compassionate and gracious and merciful, how is it that you can rescue sinners, save sinners from their own sin, from your own justice and your own wrath? Without denying yourself. That is the dilemma. And God did it in a most amazing way. God decided that since all men were sinners. Because Adam and Eve only gave birth to sinners. Who gave birth to other sinners. Who gave birth to other sinners. And here we all are. That he would do something quite miraculous. He would become a man himself. He would enter into the virgin's womb. He would be born of a woman, born under the law. But he would have God, the Father, as, and the Holy Spirit conceive him so that he would bypass the curse and sin passed down from Adam to generation to generation. Therefore, he could show up in this world a holy child not having received the curse and sin that was passed down from the fathers. As Paul says in Romans 5.12, through one man sin entered the world and therefore death spread to all men. But Jesus is the second Adam. He was born perfectly holy just like Adam was created perfect and holy. 
He entered into the virgin's womb. He lived a perfect life. He did good to men. He taught men. He called men to spread the good news. He trained them. And then at the appointed time, Jesus willingly gave himself over into the hands of evil men. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. And this command I received from the father. Jesus was not a helpless victim. He was a willing sacrifice. He willingly gave himself into the powers of darkness so that evil men could beat him, spit upon him, pound a crown of thorns upon his brow, scourge him and nail him to a tree. And while on that tree, on that cross, as he hung there suffering unimaginable pain for something he didn't do, for he was innocent, though he was tempted as always as we are, yet it was always without sin. And so the holy lamb of God who takes away to the sin of the world was, was on that cross. And at a time when he was suffering there, the whole thing was part of his suffering, but there was a critical moment when the father took all the sins of the world and funneled them down upon his son, his only son, whom he loved, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Isaiah said, he was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself a guilt offering. And so by Jesus' stripes, those who believe in him could be healed. And he poured all those sins upon him. And then he poured his wrath out upon him. And then, and I don't know how this works, the father turned his back on the son And while Jesus was weak, and while he was suffering, and while he was bearing our sins, while God's wrath and anger was being poured out upon him, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he made perfect atonement, infinite atonement. And he died, and he was buried. And three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering death, and later ascended into heaven where he sits right now at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high. That is what God with us is all about. About Jesus becoming a man. A perfect substitute for sinners. And he offers the free gift of eternal life to everyone who believes. Not everyone who is good. Not everybody who is really religious. Not everybody who gives a lot of money. Everyone who believes. Everyone who turns, as Isaiah says, from their wicked way and their unrighteous thoughts and and turns to the Lord to find compassion and forgiveness. If you have not done that, you need to do that. The author of Hebrews warns, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And the implied answer is we shall not. 
Jesus is the great love gift of God to humanity. And God wants me to tell you tonight that if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never repented, if you've never turned from your sin to embrace Jesus Christ in faith, you need to do that now. For God is commanding all men everywhere to repent because he is coming again and he will judge the world through the man who he has appointed heir, having furnished proof by raising him from the dead. So as we get ready to sing another song and close the service, we're going to pray here in a moment. And as we do, I want you to link up with God, to talk with God. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, do that. Pray with me. Father, we are grateful that you gave your son, your only son, whom you loved. For you so loved the world, you gave him. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And Father, you have told us that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart, that you raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And Father, I'm sure there's people here who have lived their life so far not submitting to Jesus, not trusting in Christ, not bowing the knee to his lordship. May you break their heart. May you grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. May you embrace them with your love. May you forgive them of all their sin and give to them in exchange your perfect righteousness that they might be justified and stand before you holy and blameless. And may all who know you rejoice because you sent Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.